Please be with Pastor Craig as he preaches the word of Ephesians and tells us ways that we should set ourselves forward and things that we should be doing to guard ourselves against those powers and principalities, Lord. And please protect him from error and help us to listen with open hearts, open minds, and without distraction, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, so, we are in Ephesians chapter 6, as we heard earlier. Um, Ephesians chapter 6. Oh, and I meant to, I'm going to go ahead and come down there and grab that. Our littles this morning, we started. Started uh, the 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 itty bitty children's class this morning, and I just thought this was really cute. Um, they did a uh, a whole armor of of God thing this morning, um, and we are going to be talking about the armor of God this morning. But uh, we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare. And here in Ephesians chapter six, Paul says in verse ten, "Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might." We've, we've gone through this whole book of Ephesians, and Paul is talking to the, the, the Ephesian church here, and he says, finally, finally be strong. After, after all of the things that we've talked about here in the book of Ephesians, he says, finally, this, he's, he's wrapping this up. The, the thing he talks about here is from really to the end of the chapter, but uh, especially through verse 20, talks about spiritual warfare. And I want you to consider once again, we talked about this a bit at the beginning of Ephesians, and um, what, what was life like at that time for the Ephesian people? What, what was the Ephesian situation if it if you were, it was, it was one that had, uh, they had many gods in their culture. The Roman pantheon was extensive. There was a temple to a very prominent god in their in their culture. Their culture uh, was very into those gods, and there was quote unquote magic and curses that that people would use and so Paul says finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might this this life that we live this Christian life that we live is is not one without difficulty it's not one where everything's just rainbows and sunshines and lollipops all the time right we are we are promised difficulty we're promised struggle in scripture it says count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials and temptations this is this is a sure thing and paul understood the life of his people of of, of this church that he was writing to in, in ephesus that a 
Um, in that culture, Christianity was not not going to be received well. It was it was not something that that the people of that place were going to be okay with. And so he's concerned about maybe some of those superstitions that might have existed there in Ephesus. Um, you know, did they did they need to worry about other spiritual forces, if you will? So he addresses that problem here. And, and I will tell you, in a lot of ways, not a lot has changed since that day in Ephesus. You guys are like, ah, there's, we, we, don't, we don't have that kind of stuff in this culture in the United States. I beg to differ. Uh, what about breaking a mirror? You guys, what happens, what happens supposedly in our culture if you break a mirror? Seven years of bad luck or walk underneath a ladder, right? Those, those are superstitions. Those are not real. Those are not things to be feared. There is no nebulous luck God out there to be feared. The only, the only God to be feared is the one true creator God of the universe. And so, if I had a main point, a main thing that I want you guys to walk away with today as we talk about this is encouragement. And that's what Paul leaves them with here at the end of Ephesus is encouragement. He wants them to be encouraged. Be finally be strong and in the strength of his might. Strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. The battle is the Lord's. There is, there is only one God, and He is the almighty, all-knowing, creator God of the universe. And if we are His people, the encouragement is we're the children of God. We have been redeemed. We have been bought. We have been paid for. We have such a high price that has been paid on our behalf. The battle is the Lord's. The, the good news here is that we are that the battle has been won. This battle that he talks about, we, we heard the scripture read earlier that, that there is a battle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers. There, there is a spiritual war that's going on all around us, all the time, that we cannot see. And when it comes to spiritual warfare, there are, there are two mistakes, two main mistakes that get made when it comes to this idea of spiritual warfare. The, the first mistake is that it doesn't exist. That, that Satan is not real. That demons are not real. And that's, that's we underplay this, spirit, this idea of a spiritual war that's going on. We see right at the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, right? Well, Genesis chapter 3, anyways. Genesis chapter 3, we see right at the beginning the serpent tempting Eve in the garden. Spiritual warfare has begun right at the beginning of, of mankind. And they lose that battle. Mankind lost that battle on that day. When, when, Adam, and Eve, when Adam and Eve gave in to the serpent, they lost that battle. 
But the good news is that Jesus has won that battle. The, the second Adam, the second Adam has paid that price of sin. And that victory is won, is being won, and will be won. One day, sin will be completely done away. The victory over death and sin is a sure thing. So once again, one of the things that I want you to be sure of today is that we have victory. We have victory in Christ. If we are in Christ, then we are united with God in Christ, and we have victory there. The battle is the Lord's. We are at war, and since Adam, we have been at war. And I will tell you two things. These are simultaneously, simultaneously true. You cannot win that battle, and you can win that battle. By yourself, and we talked about this a little bit in Sunday school this morning, right? By yourself, that battle is lost. And if you do not know him, that battle is already lost. But even if you do know him, the battle is won, but it's only won in Christ. Ultimately, how do you fight this spiritual warfare? You fight it in him, in him. Once again there in, in verse 10, it says, finally, be strong. How? Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Paul, once again, wrote in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Specifically, he's talking about how to be content there. But the, the principle is one of, of spiritual warfare. How, how can you be content? How can you not give in? to the desires of this flesh? How can you be content? Well, the secret to contentment is Christ. That is, that is the secret to contentment. It is faith in Him, faith in Christ, trust in His providence for our lives that He has provided for us and that He will provide for us. Faith in His promise in Romans chapter 8, Verse 28, it says, for all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Do you believe that he is on your side? Is your faith in Christ? He is our strength. And if we are strong in the Lord, then that victory is sure. The truth of Philippians 4.13, when it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, there is a corollary there. There is, a, there is a, a, another truth that is the opposite of that, and it's that I can do nothing without him. Both If, if, if the one is true, its exact negation is also true. If I can do all things through Christ, that also means that I can do nothing without him. And one of, one of the truths from the beginning of Genesis all the way through the end of Revelation is that man is weak. Man is weak. I am weak. I am nothing. I am a worm. I am made out of dust. I am creation. And man has over and over and over again since the beginning of creation demonstrated his weakness, his frailty. Apart from God, Apart from God, we fail every single time. 
Every time we fail. Adam and Eve demonstrated that in the garden when they failed to listen to the word of God and instead Eve listened to the word of the creation, the word of the serpent, the lie of the serpent that she could be her own God, deciding good and evil for herself, knowing good and evil. And then man turned around and listened to his wife instead of the other way around. It completely flips the created order on its head and this is part of that spiritual warfare that has been going on throughout all of creation. So I said the one issue is that we downplay the existence of this spiritual warfare. The, the other side of that coin is that we put too much emphasis on it. There are some that... They're focused on defeating Satan. You don't need to focus on defeating Satan. Satan's already been defeated. Christ has defeated Satan. He is the defeat of Satan. He defeated death and hell on the cross. He is defeating Satan. And one day, he will be tossed into the lake of fire to be gone forever. That's his job. The way that we defeat Satan is by following Christ. We defeat Satan by being in Christ, by being in his word, by putting on this whole armor of God that we're going to talk about here in a second. That's the way that we defeat Satan. This business of rebuking the devil in Jesus' name as if it's some sort of magic incantation is dangerous. It's dangerous. If you don't believe me, go read in Acts, I believe it's chapter 11, the sons of Sceva. If I'm wrong, just Google the sons of Sceva and go read that story. See what happens to the sons of Sceva. In Jesus' name is not some magical incantation to make the devil do whatever you want him to. It's dangerous. Don't go there. The way that you defeat Satan is by running to Christ. If you want to defeat Satan, run from sin. If you flee the devil and temptation, you don't just flee temptation. You run from temptation and you run towards Christ. You cannot just flee temptation. You have to flee and run to righteousness. Where is righteousness? It's at the cross. It's Christ. That's righteousness. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Paul says... He says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Because, right, we, we're not wrestling against the physical. It's the spiritual. The big picture here is the spiritual world. This body is temporary. This world. I believe scripture teaches is temporary and that one day will be destroyed by fire and God will create, recreate all of creation perfectly without sin. But ultimately, your neighbor that you're having a hard time with, your coworker that gives you a hard time, whoever it is in your life, the government, um, thankfully, for the most part in the United States, it's not that bad. 
there are some governments around the world where it is terrible when it comes to Christians and how they are treated, persecuted to the point of death. In all of those situations, the primary issue, no matter what it looks like, no matter if they are standing right in front of you with a gun, the primary issue is not flesh and blood. It's spiritual. Our human, quote-unquote, enemies, God can save them. God can save them. Take Paul himself, the author of the book of Ephesians. At one point, Paul was the enemy of Christianity, leading people to persecute Christians, a murderer of Christians to the point that after his conversion, some of the other Christians were a little leery of letting Paul come out, hang out with him because they knew what Paul had been up to beforehand. But we're going to see him in heaven with all of the other Christians. He who was the, the murderer of Stephen, they laid their coats at Paul's feet at the stoning of Stephen. He was in charge of that murder. And he's going to be in heaven with Stephen. Right? He's going to be in heaven with Stephen. This spiritual warfare that we're fighting, part of the goal of this spiritual warfare is to save that guy that's standing in front of us saying, I want you dead. Right? What do we do in that situation? What is, our, what is, what is the power of God unto salvation? It's the gospel. It's the gospel. It's the gospel that changes lives. It's the gospel that's gonna, that can change this culture, that can change Jonesboro, that can change Craighead County, and that can change the United States of America for the better. It's the gospel. That's the spiritual warfare. That's, that's what we should be focused on. In, in the book of James, he says, hey, you're led away by your own lusts and by your own desires. Right? You, can't, you can't be blaming everything on Satan. He doesn't even have to be there for you to sin. Right? We, we're, we're bad enough on our own. We don't need a lot of help. Don't put too much emphasis on it, but also don't, don't ignore it. We are soldiers in a spiritual war. And if we are soldiers in a spiritual war, we need to do what soldiers do. What do soldiers do? They fight. They train. They train. Right? They have to know how to use their equipment. And we have been equipped and, and should be equipping ourselves but we also need to remember that, that the fight here is not Craig. It's not when it says there in verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord, in, strong in the Lord, right? And in the power of his might. It's not strong in my own righteousness and goodness and ability and knowledge and, and how awesome I am. But it's only through, through Christ. Um, if you take a look at these, these armaments, if you will, that we've been given here, we have. 
We have, we have the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We have the breastplate of righteousness. We have the shield of faith. We have the helmet of salvation. And we have feet shod with the gospel of peace. All of these things, right? This is, as a totality, this is the armor of God. It's the armor of God. Who is responsible entirely for salvation? Salvation is of the Lord, right? Salvation is by the Lord. For by grace have you been saved through faith. How's, what's that next bit? And not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation is of God. And when we put on the whole armor of what? We're putting on the whole armor of God. It's God that protects me, not Craig that protects me. At the same time, I believe that Scripture teaches that sanctification sanctification is, is a process, and it's one whereby we cooperate with God. It's also a promise that if you are a child of God, that you will be sanctified. You can go willingly or kicking and screaming. Eventually, you should go willingly. At times, we're stubborn and stupid, right? At times, we're stubborn and stupid. And more times than not, that's, that's the case with me, if I'm honest. right? But we should be doing these things. We should be putting on the breastplate of righteousness. That's twofold, I think. When, when Paul talks about the breastplate of righteousness here, do I have any righteousness on my own apart from Christ? No. Right? No. What protects me ultimately from, from the power of sin? It's Christ's righteousness. Right? It's the armor of God Himself because Jesus Christ is and was and, and will be God in the flesh. It's His righteousness. We have the protection of His righteousness. But also, but also, we are called to live in newness of life. We have been resurrected and raised unto righteousness. In, in our study through Ephesians, we went through Ephesians chapter 2, where it says, For by grace you save through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But it doesn't stop there. It says, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, right? Righteousness should be our way of life. And it is, to a certain extent, a protection of its own. When we live the way that we're supposed to live, then it protects us from things like people talking bad about us. Does it matter what they say about me? If I'm living the way that I'm supposed to be living according to the Word of God, according to the Spirit of God, no. It doesn't make a hill of beans difference. When Satan throws his accusations at me, if I'm living the way that I'm supposed to be living, is that going to have any effect on, on me? No. The shield of faith. He says the shield of faith is going to quench the fiery darts of the devil. Faith in what? Faith in who? Faith in God. Faith in what He has done for me. 
Faith in His promises. Faith in who He is, who He will always be, and what He has promised to do for me. We can have faith that He will bring us to the end because He has promised to do so. All of this stuff, all of this armor of God is exactly that. It's God. It's what He has done for us, what He has promised to do for us. The belt of truth. There is, there is defense in the truth, and we need to know the truth to protect us from the lies of the devil. When Satan comes to you and says, when he comes to me and says, Craig, you're kind of awful. What's the truth there? Truth is, you're right. I am awful. Right? You're not telling me anything I don't know. If, if I am comparing my holiness to the holiness of God, then I have a defense there because I, I'm living in the truth. There's nothing to hide there. Also, I live in the truth of God has, God has saved me. I'm not dependent on my righteousness. I have the truth of the gospel as my defense. Also, I know that I have an advocate with the Father. That's a truth. Right? We need to know the truth so that when the lies come, we can recognize those for what they are. They are lies. The gospel of peace. We might be Christian soldiers. We should be Christian soldiers. But the battle that we're fighting is not one where we're out there trying to slay all of our brothers and sisters, our neighbors that are next door, trying to prove everybody wrong so that we can look better and, and live in, in, in how awesome and holy and righteous I am compared to my neighbor. It's not self-righteousness, right? We bring the gospel of peace. Peace with who? With God and man. Paul elsewhere says, if as much as, as much as it lies within you, live at peace with all men. Now we also recognize, we also recognize, Jesus said, I, I, don't, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. Why? Because the truth the truth of who God is, the truth of His righteousness, of His holiness, the truth of the gospel is a thing that divides and it is going to cause us difficulties if we are in it the way that we're supposed to be in it. We can expect opposition. We can expect that. But that opposition should not be our, our, our goal. We're not out there to cause strife. The goal is to bring others to the peace that is in God. That way, they can be reconciled to God. That way, they are no longer our enemy, but our brother. Right? We bring the gospel of peace to increase our ranks so that we have more fellow Christian soldiers. Lastly, he talks about prayer, but not leastly. 
Right? Last but not least, Paul talks about prayer. Elsewhere, he says, pray without ceasing. In verse 18 of our text, he says, praying at all times. At all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. I ask you, how much of each day are we involved in this spiritual war? All day long, from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed, we are involved in this spiritual war. What is prayer? It's communion with God. It's talking to our Heavenly Father. It is bringing our will in line with the holy will of God. Part of the armor of God is prayer. To ignore our prayer life is to create a big gap in that armor. Create a huge gap in that armor. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. All day, every day, we should be reliant. I, I want us to look at an example. And, and turn to, to Jonah chapter 2. And while you're turning there, I want you to think about something. Throughout all of the Old Testament, the battles that were fought by the children of Israel, for instance, um, Jericho is a good example. Who brought the walls down? God did. The, the people of Israel were obedient and marched around it and blew their trumpets when God told them to. But who brought the wall down? Who fought on their side? It was God. Who won that battle? Ultimately, it was God. And if you look at the battles throughout the Old Testament, every time the emphasis there is that the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. And we need to recognize that as we go into these battles, that the battle belongs to the Lord. We are helpless like little baby sheep. Right? We are helpless. So Jonah, Jonah chapter 2, verse 7. He says, this is Jonah praying. He's already been swallowed by this great fish after disobeying. And in Jonah chapter 2, verse 7, he says, When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. There is no salvation. There's no salvation in idols. There's no salvation in sin. And I will tell you, every sin is its own idol. There is no, there is no salvation in the idol of Craig. There is no salvation when I lift myself up and try to do things my way and apart from God. That makes myself an idol. My only faith, my only hope is where? It's where Jonah's is here. He says, those who pay regard to vain idols, to empty idols, forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. And then he says, salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and vomited Jonah out upon dry land. God had to teach Jonah a lesson. And if we're honest, 
it's a lesson that we have to learn over and over and over again. Is that we're weak. We're helpless. It's the only salvation. And when I say the only salvation, I'm not just talking about that salvation experience. I'm talking about your daily struggle, your daily life, your every moment should be reliant on Him and His power, His holiness, His Word, the Word of God. And in order for that to happen, we need to be in prayer. We need to be in the Word. We need to be training our hearts and our minds to fight this battle on a daily basis. And it's something that you have to be ever vigilant over. Not, not a moment, right? Can we slip in this battle or we fall? And I know this is an extreme example here with Jonah. But it's also not an extreme example. Because every temptation, every battle is exactly this. It's just that the situation there with Jonah, it becomes so obvious. Because Jonah in that situation had how much power over that situation? None. None. Jonah had no power over that situation on his own. And he admitted, God, you're in control of this situation. I pray to you. My hope is in you. I'm thankful that if I'm going to be rescued from this situation, I'm thankful that you're going to rescue me from it. He believed in God, and he was thankful to God. And that's how we should be at every moment of every day of our life, in every battle. God, my trust is in you in this situation. My hope is in you in this situation. My reliance is on you in this situation, not in ourselves. Lastly, Paul ends with the final greeting here. He says, he says, I sent Tychicus to you so that, so that you guys would know how we are doing. Sent my beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord who will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are doing and that he may encourage your hearts. Paul's concern here is for his fellow laborers in the faith. He sent Tychicus, or Tychicus, however you pronounce that, sent him to be an encouragement to the folks at Ephesus. We're not in this battle by ourselves. A lone soldier is a dead soldier. In, in Peter it says that the devil walks around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. What, what kind of prey does a lion go after? It goes after the, the lone and the weak. Right? The lone prey is the one that it goes after. You're not in this alone. And that requires a couple different things. It requires humility. We're told to humble ourselves one to another. In, the Ephes in, in Ephesians, rather, in this book of Ephesians, we're told to submit ourselves one to another. That takes humility on 
both parties' hearts. I need to have the humility to come to my brother and say, Brother, I need help. Right? And then I need also to have the humility that when my brother comes to me and says, I need help. I've got a problem. For me not to say, oh, well, you're just awful. I can't believe that you would fall into that. I'm so much holier than you are. I would never do that. That's bogus. I can tell you. That is, that is not true. How many of us in here are sinners? We best all be raising our hands. We, we have all sinned. Wherein in times past were some of you, or all of you, right? We, we are all, apart from Christ, wretched, wretched sinners. It's only by the grace of God that I'm even so much as alive right now, much less walking around. By grace, there was a lady at the nursing home the other night that said, it's by the grace of God because otherwise I could have been somebody else. Right? I could have lived a different life, but it's only by the grace of God that I've had the life that I have. We need to be humble when our brothers come to us in need of help. We need to lock arms with them. We need to help them understand the situation. We need to love them the way that Christ loved us. Because in that while we were yet sinners, were we godly when He died for us? No. In that we were awful people, and yet He loved us, right? died for us, shed His blood on behalf of awful sinners and brought them into, brought us into the family of God. This is our example of how we are to treat each other. This altogether is how we can be victorious in this spiritual warfare that we are in. And it's a constant, everyday, all the time kind of thing. And I was telling the folks in Sunday school this morning, I said, you know, I got saved when I was 14. But there's a concept that did not really sink in until a few years ago. Sadly, did not sink in until a few years ago. And it's this. There's victory in Christ. There's victory in this armor of God. Victory over sin. You no longer have to be, if you are a child of God, if you have died to sin, if you have been raised to newness of life, if you have been regenerated, if you have the Spirit of God within you, as it talks about here in this book of Ephesians, you no longer have to be a slave to sin. And it, if we have been freed, we have been freed indeed. But the key to that is that the victory is not in me. The victory is in Christ. Even as a child of God, my reliance, my hope of victory, of escaping that temptation, He has promised that the, He will provide a way of escape from temptation. What is that way? It's, it's Jesus. Jesus is the way of escape from temptation. God is the way of escape from temptation. His Word, knowing His Word, is, is the path there. 
the path to holiness, it is only through God, it is only through His Spirit that we can have that victory. We cannot be reliant on ourselves, and we should lock arm in arm with our brothers and sisters in love and humility and carry each other. Excuse me, carry each other along. If you do not know him, if you have never put your faith in him and in his righteousness and in his work on the cross, in his salvation, if you do not know him, then you are a slave to sin. You are losing this spiritual war. You are a victim of it, even. The only hope of salvation and reconciliation to God and peace with God for eternity is in Christ. If you do not know Him, I invite you, repent. Repent. Turn from your sin. Ask God for forgiveness. Beg God for forgiveness. He says that He is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness if we confess our sin to Him. And He has provided a payment for that sin. But don't be deceived. Every sin will be paid for. God is just. And either you will pay for your own sin or by faith in Christ and His work, it has been paid for you by the Son of God. And if you do not know Him, I beg you, I beg you, repent and believe the gospel. If you have questions about that, please come see us. Come talk to us. Um, find, find one of the pastors, deacons, other members of the church, and let's talk about it. We'll take you to the Word of God and we'll discuss and hopefully try to answer your questions and pray with you and hopefully bring you to know the peace the gospel of peace that's in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your armor that protects us. I thank you for your protection. I thank you that salvation is in you and in you alone and in not in me because if it were in me, I would fail and have failed. Lord, I thank you for your love that you've shown us, your sacrifice that you've given to us, and Lord, I pray that we, as your people, would operate on a daily basis in the knowledge that our ever-present hope is only found in you. And Lord, I pray that we would love each other the way that you've commanded us to, and that we would not just love the folks inside this building, but those outside of it as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.